This is the Healthy Free Life Show, where you're going to learn a new way to eat and live healthy for the glory of God. I'm your health coach, Katrina Sequenzia, and I'm on a mission to help Christians get healthy, ditch disease, lose weight, and find food freedom. So if you're ready to get healthy and free so you can live that abundant life that you've been promised, then let's do the thing. So a little accountability time. How much movement do you get in your day and in your week? And when I say movement, I'm not talking about exercise. I'm talking about all the other hours in your day. Do you move? Do you stand up from your desk? Do you do you walk? Do you take steps? Do you reach? Do you bend? Do you squat? Do you sit on the floor? What kind of movement are you getting in your day? Because you see, here's the thing. The mistake that I see so many people making as it relates to trying to get healthy or to lose weight is that we can overly focus on diet and exercise, thinking that exercise is the movement that is most important to our metabolism, to helping us to lose weight, shed pounds, get slim, get healthy, all the things. That's why I'm so excited to have brought in Chris, our resident physical therapist, strength coach, exercise and movement specialist. And he is here to talk with us about the power of movement and why it's so vitally important that we do so. So welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for having me back. And you have your own podcast, the uh, Chris's story. And so for those of you who haven't met Chris, I encourage you to go back and to listen to that because it is um, great to get to know him so that you can understand where he's coming from and why he's such a value to our podcast. So Today we're talking about movement and I got to be honest, you know, it's one of those where we kind of like cringe a little bit because we know it's not the most exciting, sexy thing Mm -hmm. to talk about, right? Yeah. People love to talk about things like exercise and the latest diet and fun things like that. But we're here to talk about movement. Movement. (laughs) But the realisms are, is that the majority of us are not getting in enough movement into our life. No, we're not. And this is a problem. And it is so important that we add more movement. So let's talk about it. So I think we need to kind of start from the top. Mm -hmm. When we talk about movement, we're not talking about exercise. In fact, the seven habits of a healthy free life, movement has its own category. So for those of you who don't know, we have seven habits that we work on in our healthy free life way. They are the habits of worship and rest and sleep and hydrate and movement, eating healthy and exercising. Movement has its own habit, its own category on our body, mind, spirit framework. So what is movement and how is it different than exercise? Yeah, that's what's, you know, when people would look at the pyramid, they kind of could get confused on what's the difference. Like it just kind of seems like those should just be one category because that's kind of how it's always been explained to us, you know, in the world. And, And I truly didn't really truly understand the difference and the importance of breaking it up and understanding how the metabolism and how just the body works in general on how it burns calories and just overall how the metabolism is built. So when you think about movement versus exercise, you have to think about exercise as really just a subset of movement. So when you think about it, think of like a big circle and think of movement as the big circle. But then inside this big circle, there's a little smaller circle, which is considered exercise. So when we think, we think, oh, well, I move a lot. I exercise. And you think, well, I exercise 
30 minutes a day, three days a week. So I'm a mover, I'm an exerciser. Well, when you think about it, just, just even just common sense would tell you that there's a lot more hours in the day and in the week that you're not really moving your body. And when you, when science, when you look at it, as far as the science goes, if you're exercising and you're not moving, you're really only 4% more active than somebody that doesn't even exercise at all. So because there's so much time in the day, we, we, we're basically losing that and we're leaving a lot of activity for your metabolism on the table because of our, now our new sedentary lifestyles that we have grown accustomed to and love because of all the convenient things that, um, that we have nowadays and versus our ancestors did not have. So, um, a person that is a, an expert in this field, really, her name is Katie Bowman and she's a biomechanist and people don't really know what that means, but she's, she's has her degrees in learning how the body moves and even down to the cellular level. And she has amazing books. So if somebody wants to deep dive really into this, I would recommend her stuff, but she describes it. She has great ways of describing this. So it's almost like think of your diet. So think of movement as your overall diet. So you would, you would understand it when somebody said, well, I ate a really bad diet, but I take a multivitamin. So that would mean that I don't really eat well, but I take a multivitamin and the multivitamin will just outweigh all the bad food I eat all throughout the day. You would know that that's really not how this thing works, but that's kind of in a way how you can think about exercise. Exercise is almost that supplement that goes along with movement. So movement is your overall diet versus exercise is more of a supplement. And we need to look at it that way. And unfortunately, our society has kind of flipped it on its head because again, exercise is just the fun and exciting and sexy thing to talk about. And it sells well <laughs> versus right. just, you know, telling somebody to go out and walk. Right. We think that we're actually doing something because we're sweating. We're right. doing this yeah, workout feel, video. Yeah. We feel like we're getting our heart rate up. And so uh, obviously this is working. Yeah. I used to do the exact same thing. I mean, I used to run marathons and I would get out ridiculously early in the Florida heat and I'd be out pounding a pounding the pavement running and huffing and puffing. And I would be running around our neighborhood and there would be people out there just kind of walking. And I would look at them and go, wow, you probably should just be sleeping because you're getting nothing out of that because you're not getting your heart rate up. You're not sweating. What is the point? But really, when you look at the literature and the research, uh, they were doing probably more for their body and health than I was, uh, you know, when I was running. So, yeah. So now that we know the difference between exercise versus movement, so exercise being the timed 15, yeah. 30, 45, 60 it's minute structured, structured activity. activity. That you say, I'm going to do this. And this is uh, specifically for, I want to get my heart rate up for this amount of time. I'm going to go and do, you know, the elliptical or the treadmill, or I'm going to lift weights for X amount of time for, you know, a specific goal. That's you know, structured exercise versus, versus movement. Yeah. These would be all the other hours in our day where yes. we do things like walk. Right. So taking steps. So if you have a step counter, how many steps are mm -hmm. you getting in in a day? Or we are bending, we're reaching, right. we're doing laundry, we're changing the sheets on the bed, all which is, is an exercise important. routine in and of itself. Yeah, I don't, I hate changing we sheets. We are gardening, we are uh, leisurely strolling around a lake or on the beach, stairs. we're going up and down stairs. So these are movements that we could be doing even 
even structured movement videos such mm -hmm. as flexibility programs yeah. and things like that can be considered nourishing movement. And so this is the difference between exercise and movement. So why is it then that this movement is so important and like we've just missed it right. in our quest for getting healthy and losing weight. We've missed the vital, how vitally important movement is. So why is movement so important to our metabolism and to our health and our longevity? Right. Well, first of all, you know, our ancestors didn't have to think about this because their whole life was revolved around movement. You know, what it, what it would go into just washing your clothes yes. was significant movement and activity to just wash your clothes or just to go get water or just to go get water to, and there's still countries the you know there's definitely still people on this world on this planet currently that have to do that so they are moving non-stop and so you didn't really have to think about that it wasn't a thing same thing with them they didn't really even have to exercise because they were just moving when you think about it they were just moving around doing their day-to-day -day activities and they stayed in very good shape and there was times where they probably got their cardiovascular yeah. system elevated <laughs> times yeah. where they were strength training when they had to lift hug, something heavy yeah, or that carry water things. to the, yeah. to the, um, it was just part of house. life. So right. now, you know, you fast forward to our, you know, our time period. And now we have, again, all these great convenience things. Um, but now those things have, we, you know, one of the things we say is like it, they have outs, we've outsourced our movement to these convenience, uh, dishwashers, yes, washing which is machines. again, great. I don't want to get rid of, you know, our dishwasher or our washer and dryer or even our car for or that even matter, our car, but, um, but you know, th we, there's consequences to this. So now because we've taken those things out, we have to now figure out and be really intentional about putting things back in because really God designed our metabolism to be based around movement. There's so much that they're learning now that even just our muscles do that we, you know, I think we talked a little bit about this maybe in one of the previous podcasts, but now they're finding out there's so much more to what our muscles do than just, you know, move our elbow and move our shoulder, they're, they're like their endocrine organs, meaning they're, they're secreting hormones. They're, they're, they're actually communicating with your other organs. So when you're not moving them, you're losing that whole system that how God created it and God created our metabolism. Our metabolism is based about 15% of it is based off of of movement versus only 5% is really exercise. So when you think about it right there, it's like triple the amount that you're leaving on the table because you're not moving throughout the day. So, so are um, you telling me that movement has more potential to help me to lose weight than yes, exercise even yeah. does? Yeah. And there's, you know, there's a lot of factors that go into that and, you know, we don't have to get too in depth with it, but a lot of it has to again, do with the hormones. So, you know, the, there's two hormones that are really affected by movement and, um, they're hormones that, especially as we age and especially, you know, with the female population always get, they always get caught up on, which is understandable, you know, with estrogen and progesterone, all those things that you kind of lose as you get older as a female, but we have two hormones that we really can control that really move the needle on our metabolism more than anything, which are cortisol and insulin. And those two hormones are hugely regulated by how much you move. And when you move, just if you take insulin, for instance, insulin helps get the sugar out of your blood. Well, when you move your muscles, your muscles are able to absorb the uh, the sugar out of your blood without actually needing insulin. So, mm -hmm. you, so it makes them more sensitive to it. So when you think about it, if you already have like prediabetes or diabetes, that's a problem with too much sugar. And that's when you have too much sugar in your blood, you're also 
also have elevated insulin levels. So if you think about it, you want to try to take stress off of that system, moving your muscles will help take stress off of that system. So that's, you know, one way that it's, it's interconnected with your hormones. And then the other part is cortisol, which most people have maybe heard of. That's a, what we call your stress hormone. And shockingly, <laughs> we kind of have stress. Yeah. So, um, and we don't look at it this way, but you know, exercise actually elevates cortisol and depending on how you do it, most people do it, but I would consider probably wrong, which I did most of my life. Um, it chronically elevates cortisol, which we don't want because cortisol is again, a stress hormone and that's damaging to our system versus movement actually lowers cortisol. So it's, it's one of the only, movement is the only thing that really lowers cortisol and lowers your uh, need for insulin at the same time. So movement can not only help us regulate our blood sugar, which then can help us to potentially not gain weight and, or mm -hmm. even lose weight. But then also if it helps to regulate our cortisol levels, that means that even though we do have stress, we're able to help to reduce its effect on yeah, our body by moving. Yeah. But I got to be honest. Like if I'm stressed, I really don't want to go out and leisurely walk. So no. it's, it's really one of these practices that it's going to help us, like it's going to require us to do some work initially, but we're going to feel so much better doing it because it will help to decrease our cortisol, which, which will help us to feel better. Yeah. I mean, it'll affect everything when you can lower your cortisol levels, it'll help your even help even things like sleep. You know, if you have fragmented sleep, that one of the things that could be going on is your cortisol levels could be significantly elevated. So just something like that, you know, you wouldn't think, how does, well, how could walking affect my sleep? Well, there you go. It could be directly related to helping you sleep better. And, and just by, and then if you sleep better, it's going to help you be more sensitive to the insulin and help you regulate your cortisol levels. So it's all a circle. It's like a cycle. And that's why we teach what we teach where it's, the mind, body, spirit approach, because all these things are interconnected. They're nothing acts in isolation. You can't just, that's why we say you can't just diet and exercise because you can diet and exercise and you think you're doing everything right. And you're obviously missing bigger pieces to the puzzle that are um, huge in getting healthy. So in other words, if you want to lose weight or get healthy or decrease your chance of prediabetes or diabetes or potentially reduce or reverse it. If you would like to sleep better, if you mm -hmm. would like to reduce the effects of stress on your body and feel less stress, then we've got to be moving more. Right. And it's also, there's multiple levels, you know, it's like, okay, well, people will think, well, I'll just go out for a, a power walk, you know, so you'll see people out there and they're um, you know, using their weights and huffing and puffing and walking really fast. And again, that's a form of exercise. Once you get your heart rate up high enough that you're breathing heavy, then that would be, that would kind of cross the line, even though you're technically walking, it would more, that would be leaning more towards the, the realm of exercise because of what it's doing to your heart rate. So you really want to be mindful of, and it's counterintuitive because again, our mentality is usually let's just go harder. So the goal is to actually go easier, so and slower. So if you're if you're elevating your heart rate while you're exercising to an extent, if you're if you're I mean while you're walking, if you're going to walk just by default, your heart rate's going to go up. But if you're significantly elevating your heart rate and you're 
and you're breathing heavy, then you're actually doing more exercise than you are movement. And then exercise can actually elevate your cortisol levels. And now you're kind of defeating the purpose of what we're trying to accomplish with movement. There are still benefits of speed walking and brisk walking. So I'm not saying that that's not a place and that's not something you can, you know, it's definitely a great thing to do. There's definitely benefits to that. But if we're looking at the standpoint of what movement does, that wouldn't necessarily be considered movement anymore. So would we consider breathlessness as our, our you know, breathless being our um, gauge like for whether yeah. we're That's a good way to, going, to look at it. Walking yeah, once leisurely you start, versus once walking you start for having exercise. trouble holding a conversation, then there's a pretty good chance that you're crossing the line. Yeah, because it all has to do with, you know, the fuel sources and things you're using when you're moving like that. But yeah, if you're having trouble catching your breath and you're feeling your heart rate elevate significantly, then you're probably crossing the line into exercise, which again is good, but that's not really what we're talking about here. So next up, we're going to talk about the goals for movement. Like what is, what is really our overall goals that we have for our students inside the academy for helping to make sure that they're getting enough movement. And before we do that though, let me just remind any academy members that are listening that Chris has provided a full six video course teaching on movement inside the academy. You can find that in our move section of the academy. And this month inside the academy is also our move challenge month. So we are challenging our members of the academy to move more, giving them resources to help guide and direct them, helping them to pick their next step on the move success path and helping to keep them accountable, show them how to exactly add in more movement into their life, giving them resources and favorite products and giving them a tracker to help track that movement as well. Yeah, I've already seen people in our groups talking about it and giving people accountability and giving people suggestions on what they're doing and what maybe they could do and asking questions. So it's pretty cool to yeah, see people. Yeah, I love the community support around our monthly challenges. So let's talk about then what are our goals for movement? So we have set goals for each of our seven habits of a healthy free life, and mm -hmm. movement has its own goal. So tell us what is the goal that we have for our students and those listening when it comes to movement? What's the ideal amount of movement we should be getting in our life. Yeah. So there's several ways to get movement in your, in your life and in your day. And one of the ways that you can do that is to start tracking your movement. And we recommend using some form of a device to help track that. But one of the ultimate goals is to get eight to 10,000 steps in a day. And where did that number come from? We didn't just pull that out of the air. That's in, when you look at the literature and the research shows now, because they've done a lot of research on hunter-gatherer type um, populations, and there are still people and pop, you know people populations out now that still move a significant amount throughout their day. And when they look at the sweet spot for your metabolism, they think eight to 10,000 steps is where you want to get to. And if anybody has a device and has looked at their device, they can probably realize unless you have a job that you have a built-in amount of movement, it's not that easy to get eight to 10,000 steps in a day. It's just, that's just not, and again, not in our day-to-day -day activities, that's just not that normal anymore. So what we teach in the academy is a baby-stepped approach and a, a real um, scientifically-based way to baby-step your way there to get to those numbers because you know, being a physical therapist, I know that if you go from zero to 10,000 steps, it's not gonna go well right. uh, physically. 
So we have a lot of students that like to get more than 10,000 steps and they're super excited when they get like 14 or right. 19,000 steps. Yeah, I mean, is that, I mean, is no, that counterintuitive no, they, to what's going on or? Yeah. I mean, you can go up. There is a point now and there's more research coming out just recently came out that there is a point of diminishing returns on your, on your activity levels because the metabolism will start constraining itself. So, but if you're pushing 15,000 steps, you know, even upwards of 20, which is, you'd have to be doing something significant to get 20,000 steps in a day. That would probably be the max. Like you don't need to really be trying to get anything more than that because again, your metabolism will start compensating. So, but for the average human, uh, eight to 10,000 steps would be totally beneficial and a, a great number to eventually shoot for. Yeah. And I lit, you know, I have a relatively sedentary job, right? Yes. So my job is an is a health coach, but I do all of my health coaching online. And so I sit at a desk all day. Mm -hmm. And so I know that it is a lot of work for me even to try to get 5,000 steps. Right. right? And so this is definitely something that is a work in progress. Um, so steps are great, right? right? But it's not the only way we want our students and listeners to get movement in. So what else do they need to be doing or thinking about? Yeah. And, you know, the other concept is too, is, you know, walking is great, but walking is just doing the same repetitive movement over and over again. And, you know, just being a physical therapist, I know that eventually that can actually be in a way harmful because we, your body needs more varying movements. So in different angles and different, uh, just different challenges. So one thing, even if you are walking, try to walk on you know, uneven surfaces, if you can, different, different terrains, that's one way to, to challenge your body, but also just during your day-to-day -day activities, looking for ways to incorporate more movement in your life. So instead of, you know, thinking that you have to go out and go for a long walk, you can say, well, you know, just some of the things of if, the, if you're in the parking lot park, don't just spend, you know, 15 minutes looking for the closest parking space to the, to the grocery store park further back and just walk into the grocery store. Just little subtle little hacks like that can make a big difference on how much movement it adds up throughout the day. Yeah. I uh, like to think about it when uh, cleaning or changing yeah. sheets or what have you, I like to think yeah, about, look at all this shift. movement just I'm getting and I'm thankful you know, for it. it. Yeah. It's something that you may not want to do, right. but in, you know, you could think about it as something beneficial to your body. So just like eating your vegetables. Yes. So yeah, it's, um, it's not just, it's not just walking and that's why, again, when you look at these other populations, they're doing all kinds of different movements. They're squatting, they're bending, they're reaching. Those are all considered movement as well. So what we talk about in the academy is we talk about different ways to try to work on incorporating those movements in your life just so that you don't have to always think about thinking, I'm going to have to go and do an isolated activity to get this movement and just incorporating it throughout your day. But there are also things like stretching programs and videos that you can do to incorporate movement in your life. Those are great too. Again, if it's more of a stretching type program and it's not getting your heart rate up, I would consider that movement versus exercise. That's another thing that would kind of confuse people. So if, but if you're doing something like a power type stretching program or, you know, like a power yoga, which, you know, that, those type of things would lean more towards an exercise, you know, activity. So it's just a matter of, again, thinking about it. You don't want it to be a stress on your body. You want it to be more of a relaxing 
activity, and that would be considered more movements. And we need that in our days, again, because we don't do much to put our bodies in different positions throughout the day. We kind of go from one chair to the other chair. <laughs> so, and that's not how our bodies were designed. So we serve students of all ages and all abilities. Mm -hmm. And so what we have found is that there are definitely those that struggle with movement mm -hmm. because of physical limitations. And so for those of those of you who are listening, who struggle with limitations, maybe you have a foot injury or a knee injury mm -hmm. or, or a hip or back or what have you, how do, how do we encourage those who struggle with these types of ailments that kind of prevent them from getting in a lot of activity? What can they do and how can you encourage? them. Yeah. Well, being a physical therapist, that's how I basically spent most of my life trying to work on either fixing problems or working around problems in order to get people as active as possible. So yeah, if you're a human and you are probably over the age of 45, 50 in that range, there's probably a good chance you have some problem. That at least I, I mean, like you, maybe I just hang no, out no, with no. All the like, people that have But problems. you and I have them. Right. Like in this so, last in these last right. two years, I you've had sustained a, a back injury. Right. And so, I have an ankle injury. Right. And, and I so literally couldn't walk. Yeah. So this yeah. getting old thing, it's it's for the birds, let's just yeah. be honest. <laughs> so and again, maybe it's because I hang around with those type of people, being a physical therapist, you just assume everybody has physical problems. But Walking around the grocery store and or Walmart, you kind of sense that there's a lot of people limping and because I pay attention to that stuff, which is weird. But yeah, it's it's so easy to say, hey, go get 10,000 steps, you know, go go out and just go for an hour walk. But what happens if you have an ankle problem or a knee problem or a hip problem or a back problem where you physically can't do that? Well, one is either you have to do the work of trying to find a professional that can help you with your problem to rectify it so that you can do this, do those activities semi-pain-free. But there are some chronic problems that really are not really fixable in, in any kind of a short term. So you, we can't use that as our block because what I've seen over the years, especially with, with movement and in exercise we will have a problem and then we will just chalk it up as, well, I can't do anything. So if I have a shoulder problem, I can't exercise. It's like, well, yes, you have a shoulder problem, but you have uh, another side that's arm that's perfectly fine and you have two legs that are pretty good. So let's work with what you have. So you have to work on figuring out different ways to say that, you know, you have to get movement in. It's non-negotiable. If 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 we're if we're doing our job to, to teach you guys that that movement is so vital and important, you have to say, okay, I know I have these problems, but I have to figure out a way to work around them. So you have to figure out ways. So things like if you can't walk but a lot of times people can pedal a bike, then get a stationary bike and try to pedal the stationary bike. That's still moving your legs. We have to move, especially if you can move the big muscles in your legs. It's amazing how much like just overall health benefits that is. You know, I've worked with many people that have had strokes and, you know, they're paralyzed on one side and there's so, so much detrimental effects of people that don't move their legs because of, you know, it just just moving, people don't realize moving their muscles helps pump the blood back to their heart. So it's a huge part of circulation, things like that. So you have to figure out a way to move your muscles whenever you, whenever you can. And I know there are some people that there could be people that are listening that physically can't move their legs. And then, so the other option is 
move your arms, do whatever you can do to move the muscles that you can move and and, in as as pain-free way as possible because any little bit of movement will go a long way. And again, it doesn't have to, don't feel like just because I can't go out and walk for an hour or I can't do this crazy exercise routine, that means I just have to sit on the couch. That's not the case. You can figure out a way to incorporate some movement into your life. Yeah. And it, it, you can totally start small, even if it's just a couple minutes. And here's the thing is like, you know, you see it time and time again, where, where an injury or an incident happens and, and then we choose to, to kind of baby it, nurture it, not do anything right for an extended period of time. And that's usually a, a marker in someone's life where on their timeline, like they were heading, they were doing okay, but this injury or this ailment happens and suddenly now there's a deterioration over time. Right. And so not only will movement hopefully potentially help prevent that, but if you do have that, what we're trying to do is prevent you from continuing to decline. To go down that, yeah, that route. Yeah. And it's, it's just so detrimental because it's like, once that happens and sets in, it's like the decline is is inevitable. And so we want to help you prevent that um, because we want to see you live abundantly to be able to go and do and be all that God called you to. And we're going to need this physical body to do so. So we've got to move it in a loving way, nourish it with movement that brings strength and supports it and really helps us to be energized by the movement so that we can be doing the good work that God's given us to do for a long time. You know, not just today, not just tomorrow, not five years, but decades from now, we want to still be able to move our body to do all these good things that God's given us. Amen. Amen. Right. Well, Chris, thank you so much for being with us. I just want to encourage you who's listening to, I hope that you've just now have a better understanding of what movement is, why it's so vitally important that we move more, and most importantly, that you've been inspired to go move today. And now let me leave you with this prayer. This is my prayer for you from Ephesians 6, 10. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Until next time. Bye for now.